0: Tom Woods Show, episode 1783.
1: Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show.
0: Hi, everybody. Tom Woods here. Well, I've decided that I do indeed intend to give you a Thanksgiving episode. After all, I was thinking of skipping Thanksgiving this year, but just can't bring myself to do it. And on Thanksgiving you will have one more reason to give thanks. And that is David Stockman versus Walter Block in an epic debate. David Stockman, of course, the director of the Office of Management and Budget under Ronald Reagan and Walter Block, maybe the most prolific living libertarian given his hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of peer-reviewed articles. There's just no one with a track record like that. And they're gonna hash it out on uh, strategy and it's just super. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. So imagine your Thanksgiving without that, you know, much, much more sad. Wouldn't it be much more sad to have a Thanksgiving without that? So you will get an episode on Thanksgiving. And then on Friday, you're going to be hearing the audio of the talk I gave to the 100 state legislators, urging them to be the voice of the voiceless, uh, by which I mean the voice of the victims of lockdown. And it's, uh, I think, it's something you're also going to enjoy. But then tomorrow, of course, if, especially if you're a longtime listener, you'll recognize both these names. A lot of you new folks won't know these people, but you old timers, you'll recognize the name Thaddeus Russell and the name Michael Rechtenwald. And they are both known for their opinions on postmodernism, and they have differing opinions on it. So they're coming on tomorrow to hash it out on the old Tom Woods Show. There's a lot going on. This is a in place, the Tom Wood Show. You have made a Wise choice by subscribing to this podcast. I'll tell you something. And today's episode is no exception. I'm joined today by the great Cliff Maloney, who is president of Young Americans for Liberty, an extremely effective organization. And we're going to talk today about some really impressive victories that his organization had this election year that really went under the radar. And in some ways, that's just where Cliff wants to be for the time being. And I wanted to have him on and give us the details. So Cliff, welcome back.
1: Tom, thanks for having me. Always glad to be here.
0: It was great to see you over the weekend. You had a very successful event. Obviously, my listeners know a little bit about it because I, as you mentioned, or as uh, Eric Brakey mentioned at the event, I kept talking about it to them. So before we get into our main topic, can you take a minute to talk about what just happened over the weekend?
1: Yeah, sure. A live in-person event where, uh, you know, we didn't all meld away despite what we've been told to fear. Uh, but yeah, we were in Melbourne, Florida. YAL has a coalition of legislators that we call our Hazlitt Coalition. And what that is, is really just uh, you know, a name to kind of say, look, all these liberty legislators, it gives them something to be a part of, named after Henry Hazlitt, economics in one lesson. But the idea is to bring all of them together. You know, The establishment uh, does this. It's kind of interesting. They call it orientation. So we do this immediately after the election. Um, That's why we just hosted it this past weekend to kind of bring everybody together and say, look, you know, here's some tactics. Here's some model liberty legislation. Here's what they're going to try to do to you. You know, once it comes time to pressure you to vote for bills and uh, really show them that, hey, look, we've got 179 people we've got elected across the country. There's a path to stay principled and stay elected. And so it's a three-day training, and obviously the great one, Tom Woods, got to speak uh, Friday night just about lockdowns and giving the legislators some ammo, if you will, to go after some of their governors and push back on some of this tyranny.
0: And I got to tell you, Tom, it's exactly what they needed. So I want to say thank you for coming down. Well, I was so glad, first of all, that the event took place at all. Secondly, that it was less than an hour from my house. And then, thirdly, I made it into, as I told you, a little adventure because my my six year old Sarah, for some reason, she loves staying in hotels. And at first, I thought it was she loves to travel. But really, it's just the being in a hotel part <laughs> that she really likes because I've obviously I've had to disappoint her a little bit this year. There's no point in traveling to New York, which is her favorite destination. So I thought, well, even though it's only 45 minutes from the house, let's make this into a hotel stay for her. So, oh my goodness, she couldn't have been happy, couldn't have cared less what was going on in that room. But boy, did she like being in a hotel. So that was fun for her. And it was great for me and great to see uh, all those good folks and to have that chance to give that talk. And I'm looking forward to sharing the audio of the talk with the podcast audience um, you know, in the coming days. So let's talk about election day, but not what most people are thinking. Let's talk about these so-called down-ballot races, because you and Young Americans for Liberty have had a strategy recently of where you want to focus your efforts and how you want to go about it. So explain that and then talk about the results you've had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because – You're exactly right. It's not what most people are thinking about. You know, I kind of joked that that's half of the strategy at Young Americans for Liberty is that everybody's so focused on the presidential race, right? Everyone's so focused on who controls the U.S. Senate and obviously the House of Representatives. Um, But that's kind of been our strategy since we launched this program in 2018, which is, hey, we really are trying to understand how do we get more people that believe in libertarian principles to actually have a microphone? And I talked a little bit about this at your house. That look, you know, political politics to me, I mean, after 2016, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of burned out, right? It was like, look, you know, the party, you saw what the party, the GOP did to Ron Paul back in 2012. You know, Rand Paul kind of didn't really, uh, the campaign didn't develop into some national huge success. And, you know, those of us that believe in libertarian ideas, it's like, well, you know, where do you go from here? And so I think one of the things we did was take a step back and say, okay, if we are going to, to, to value a political office, not because we think, you know, we're gonna legislate liberty, right? And we're gonna get, you know, a majority elected that believe in our principles, no. But that when you get elected at all levels, you're added uh, some sort of random credibility, right? And, and whether I agree with it or not, that's the reality we live in. If you're some local guy and you've got a comment uh, about, you know, why we should get rid of the income tax, nobody cares. You know, the headline is local schmuck thinks we need to get rid of the income tax. But if you can get 1,500 or in some states, you know, 5,000 people to vote for you and you can get elected as a state legislator, all of a sudden, you know, when you put something forward and you make a comment that we need to get rid of the income tax, they give you a microphone. They'll let you write op-eds. The media will report on you talking about Austrian economics and talking about the idea that the income tax is actually a bad thing for society. So this whole entire plan was kind of based on this idea that we need to start getting legitimate voices or finding out a way to legitimize the principles of liberty, not by caving, Tom, right? not by selling out, but by figuring out how we can get more microphones across the country so more people can hear the message. And there's one guy who did this very well without winning. You know, we know him as Dr. Ron Paul. And so what we're trying to do is really take that and figure out how we use that strategy And when we analyze, look, where can you not have to spend millions of dollars, right? And where can you really make a difference with a grassroots-type effort, which is, you know, what we've built at Young Americans for Liberty, all these young people excited about the ideas, we realize at the state level, it's a joke. You know, dare dare I even say this on your show, but, you know, when I was at your house, I asked everybody, I said, look, who here knows who their state representative is? And let me ask all your listeners out there. Do you know who your state representative is? And here's the best part. Most of you are saying, I got no clue who my state representative is. That's the point. We can put somebody on the ballot and we can win some of these races. Because if I put 10 students in the district and they knock a bunch of doors over the course of a month and we drive the name idea of somebody like a Tom Woods trying to run for state legislature, we can get you elected. There's not millions of dollars fighting against that. So that's my long answer to your short question, Tom, of we had an amazing night on November 3rd. We had 153 candidates on the ballot. We won 120 races at the state level for people who believe in libertarian ideals. So 123 wins. We had 30 losses. I'm happy to always dive in on the losses. They're lessons learned. We're not afraid to to talk about those. But that brings us to a total of 179 Operation win-at-the-door victory since we've launched the program, and that's just in 2018, 2019, and 2020. So we're on our way. 250. If I can get 250 people that understand libertarian ideas elected to the state office, you know, we've got 5% of the entire country's state house seats if we do that. That, to me, is getting enough microphones to take our ideas mainstream.
0: Wow. Well, talk to me about where in the country, was there, were there particular regions or states where you were super, where you stronger than others?
1: Yeah. So we have uh, winners in 33 states across the country. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I get this question a lot. People say, you know, would well, you want to focus in on, on three states, right? Would it be better to have, you know, half of the legislature in, in one of the states? I will share with you that out of our 123 wins on November 3rd, 55 of them, came from New Hampshire. Okay. I'm not a, I'm not afraid to tell you that New Hampshire this morning, the news just broke that the house majority leader is a guy whose email is literally Carl Menger. <laughs> let, me, let me say this again. The house majority leader in the state of New Hampshire, because of our coalition is literally one of the biggest Carl Menger fans that you'll find that his email address has the words Carl Menger in them. I'm not going to give you his whole email. I don't want to get blown up by the whole Tom Woods show uh, you know, listeners, but that's the power of what we're doing. So New Hampshire, I point out is the big one in terms of, you know we found the, the live for or die state, there is a certain environment up there where if we put up a Liberty candidate and we pound the doors and talk to voters, I mean, we, I'm, I'm telling you, I've said this before, Tom, and I'm probably gonna get in trouble for it. We will elect the actual speaker of the house in New Hampshire in 2022, or I will resign from my role at YL. And that's, uh, I'm pretty strong about that because the, the sentiment up there, there's something in the air and our program's working. But 55 in New Hampshire, we've also got a couple other states. We've got over 10 in Missouri. I don't know what that says about Missouri, but people are excited. Up in Maine, Eric Brakey has laid great roots. We've got nearly 10 up in Maine in our coalition. Um, but 33 states across the country And I think, uh, you know, no offense to the Californias, New Yorks or Massachusetts, um, but we're trying to use our resources in ways where we can go into states and really make a difference. And I got to tell you, Tom, it's kind of interesting to think about, but all hardcore red states have actually been some of our, our best targets because there are so many of these Republicans that run that have no idea what it means when they say limited government. I mean, they're absolutely just these folks running who put an R next to their name. And you know my rule, I have no loyalty to party. Loyalty to principle, parties are vehicles. You know, you find somebody under any party banner, they believe in libertarian ideals and they'll stand up for them, we'll support them. But to me, the red states, it's been funny because there's a lot of seats for us to pick up because so many of the Republicans are horrible. So we could take them out in a primary where it's cheaper, smaller universe, and we can just be hardcore, and you know and try to capture those seeds. So it's been kind of interesting to see where these candidates pop up, but I'm, I'm excited about New Hampshire. All
0: right, well, that's good. That's good. So now that we have these, you know people at the local level, what kinds of things do you hope they might do? Now, obviously it varies by state because different states have different priorities. But uh, you know, obviously there is one pretty big elephant in the room kind of issue. <laughs> That seems to be affecting uh, an awful lot of states. Um, I mean, you've obviously talked to a lot of these state legislators. What's on their minds?
1: Yeah, so this is exactly why we brought you in, Tom, to talk to them, because when we were prepping for this event in Florida with all of these newly elected legislators, you know, we, we, we got some, some, not feedback, but we got some, we put out a request and said, hey, what are you interested in, Right. And uh, that was one of the number one things they said is, look, how can we fight back against the mandates? How can we be prepared to engage in these dialogues and these debates on the floor of the state houses to talk about how this is just completely not the government's role to tell somebody if they can go to work, to tell somebody if they can eat Thanksgiving dinner with their families, right? That they have to stay in their house. And so I think that, that I would say out of all the issues right now, you know, we do strategy meetings and sit down with each of the legislators one-on-one when they come in. And that, that's usually one of the first things out of their mouth is give me some ammo to go after my governor and just completely try to rein in some of this tyranny. And so I would say that a lot of people, when they think about, oh, you're trying to get people elected to politics, they think that then we're going to measure our success based on bills passed. Okay. Let me just squash that real quick. You know, Ron Paul, when he was in Congress, He was not known for passing bills, right? I always try to get people to think through this. No, the first thing we want our legislators to do is to have a record that we can be proud of, right? If I'm gonna spend all this time and resources and our students are gonna get excited and move into a district for 30 days and talk to all these voters, you know, we need your record to be solid. That's top priority. Second priority is actually stop the bad stuff, right? There are tons of things that if we have one person in the chamber, to force a roll call vote, to speak out against either the governor or leadership. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do to stop bad things. And that's usually the second thing we're looking to do is to figure out how we can, you know, cog up the system in a way, in in a good way for liberty, you know, but figure out a way to do that so we can stop some of the bad things. And then from there, I think it's okay. How do you go on the offense um, you know, with the lockdowns, right? How do you host uh, press conferences and put out press releases and really dive in on some of the unconstitutional things that the governors are doing, right, to hold them accountable? And then I think down the bottom of the list, and I don't mean this like it's a bad thing, but down the bottom of the list is this idea that we can pass liberty-minded, libertarian legislation. And don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, we've, we've got some exciting things out there. Um, we've pushed some some pretty cool bills when it comes to surveillance, uh, when it comes to some of the other privacy concerns, when it comes to some of the civil asset forfeiture and the criminal justice stuff. Um, we've even had some bills, not that have quite gotten through yet, but you know, about gold and silver and some legal tender and, and fiat type bills. and so it's 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 interesting, but what you said is right, which is every state has different priorities, right? We have a guy in Rhode Island who is the minority leader in the state. Now, it's not saying much. There's only 10 Republicans in the state. But the literal minority leader believes in Austrian economics in the state of Rhode Island. But his battle is very different than people that are in a state like Texas, where the Republicans have a majority across the board, but all the Republicans want to raise taxes, increase regulation, increase spending, and none of them will stand up to the tyrannical governor that is Greg Abbott, because he's a Republican. So all the battles are a little different, but I think it's about figuring out the most effective way to become somebody that people will listen to, because that gives them a larger microphone, and figure out how to be effective at spreading the message of liberty the best you can in your state with the cards you're dealt.
0: I want to ask you about, um, about Nick in Virginia. W- when I last left that, I mean, now I know the, the situation, but I, when I checked in on that, he was way ahead. Is, is, what the heck happened there?
1: Yeah, so it was kind of interesting. Uh, Nick Freitas on election night was up by like 15 or 20 percentage points. You know, and this is obviously his federal race. And everybody thought, you know, hey, this is awesome. This guy's just just crushed this Democrat incumbent. But early votes started to trickle in. The The mail-in ballots started to trickle in. And uh, somehow, I I, I don't want to, go on record here for some sort of yeah you know, saying that there's proof, but the Dems added 70,000 new voters and the Republicans added 5,000. <sighs> and it just, by the end of it, it trickled over. I think he's going to end up losing
0: by about a point or two points. That's crazy. Folks, just a quick word to thank our sponsor BitTrust IRA. You know, one of my criticisms of the Bitcoin world is that So few people know how to explain Bitcoin to the average person, and it just seems so difficult to navigate. Well, BitTrust IRA makes it about as easy as it can possibly be. If you're looking to add Bitcoin to your retirement account, they are the place to go. Bitcoin has been one of the best-performing assets of 2020 thus far, and BitTrust IRA helps you add cryptocurrency to your portfolio seamlessly and securely. They store your private keys in nuclear bunkers with military-grade encryption. Not to mention they have a trading platform available to you 24-7, no minimum investments, unlimited trades, and if you have any questions, their team will help you every step of the way. They also offer the lowest trading fees in the industry. So go to bittrustira.com woods today to learn more. That's B-I-T-T-R-U-S-T. IRA.com slash woods. And for a limited time, BitTrust IRA is waiving the sign-up fee for Tom Woods Show listeners. That's a $50 value. That's BitTrust slash woods. Can we talk, though, about, let's say, the political parties involved here? I, mean, I assume virtually all of these people we're talking about are Republicans. On the local level, I find the more local they are, the better the Republicans tend to be. But- I'm I I'm a little bit more indulgent at this point because now that the opposition has become so opposed to you know civilized people that I <laughs> I'm pretty much willing to you know to to help along anybody who's going to hold back that tide but on the local level the most of the issues are going to have to do with you know basically trying to keep taxes low and spending low and 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 so on and on and sometimes on the local level, you do get some decent Republicans. But uh, so what What about people who will say to you, all right, you know, you're telling me that you've you know, you've elected like a bunch of Ron Pauls, but probably, look, I've been there, done that. These are probably just Republican light, you know, sorts of people who are gonna betray us at the first opportunity. I mean, how do you answer that?
1: Yeah, so the first thing I'd say is this, you know, when we launched Operation Win at the Door, I mean, pretty much the entire team, Young Americans for Liberty, I got real clear and said, We're never going to have any loyalty to a political party, right? The loyalty has to be the principle. It has to be the ideas. And it's so easy to fall down that trap of, you know, oh, we're going to play on Team Blue or Team Red. And then I feel like the whole thing goes out the door. So I'm happy to say, look, we've endorsed, of course, Republican candidates. We've won 178 times endorsing Liberty Republicans, the Thomas Massey types. But we've also endorsed independence and we've also endorsed Libertarian Party members. And, you know, look, I'm, I'm gonna keep that threshold of saying they have to be principled and they have to be viable. And if you could tell, show me a path where you can run as a Democrat and believe in Libertarian ideas, I'd be interested. So I'm happy to report, Tom, uh, this was the first cycle ever where we won with one candidate who did not run uh, under the Liberty Republican strategy. That's Marshall Burt in Wyoming, He took out a Democrat incumbent uh, running one-on-one as a libertarian party, libertarian on the ballot, and he won, you know, we knocked a bunch of doors out there and we endorsed him, why? Because he was principled and he was viable. And so I'm I'm, kind of tired of people saying, oh, well, you know, the party this, the party that, you know, some of these Republicans, they endorse this candidate, look, I don't care. What I care about is if they're principled and they believe in libertarian ideals and they can win. And the reason I say the winning part, I think so many people miss this. Look, Ron was running for president. So if you don't win, you can get a microphone, you can get attention. But at the local level, to get the microphone, to get the the credibility, to get the ability for people to print what you have to say, you have to win. And the beautiful thing is, you don't have to spend so much money to do it. Like there's a, there's a process and we can actually win. And so I'm going to keep that. I'm going to be very firm about that with the organization. And I'm, I'm proud of it. I think, I think the problem is so many people tell me, you know, oh, well, you know, how are we supposed to win? Look, I don't, I don't want the excuses anymore. The left is so bad, so bad with the lockdowns. The Republican Party right now has no idea what they're standing for. I don't see any Republicans really leading against the lockdowns, really leading, unless you look at a few like Noam, and we'll give DeSantis some credit uh, here in Florida. But like the party, if you're talking about like a brand, the Republican Party, I mean, it's an empty vessel right now. So I don't care what vehicle we use, but you got to use a vehicle that can work and
0: that's not going to be a detriment. And uh, I think we're going to keep, uh, keep that motto. Well, fair enough. Now, w- then you said something about the races that you guys didn't win. And, you know, you can always learn something from that. Uh, you know, this sounds like a pretty good record that you guys have, but is there anything you're going to do differently two years from now? Any lessons learned? Yeah, let me give you a wonky background that some people,
1: uh, hopefully your, your listeners will appreciate. So let's, let's break down the country, okay? There's 5,400 state house seats if you include all the lower chambers and you include Nebraska, it's unicameral. Okay, some of them call them assemblies, some of them call them state house, some of them call it state delegates. Um, you know, there's different titles, but the lower chamber in every house about 5,400 seats. Okay, and what I found is this: roughly, roughly 2,000 of them are strong Republican districts, 2,000 of them are strong Democrat districts, and you know, over a thousand, let's say 1,400 seats, are what you would call your swing districts. Now. What that means for us is if you choose to play in a primary, there are 2,000 Democrat seats and 2,000 Republican seats where all you have to do is win the primary and you're guaranteed the seat. I mean this, Tom. If you win in a Democrat plus 15 seat, if you win the primary as a Democrat and you put Adolf Hitler on the ballot in the general election, Hitler will win. And it's the same exact thing on the Republican side. If you put any you know, horrible name on the ballot, it doesn't matter. And here's why. Because people aren't voting for a person. They're voting for a party in the general election. So what we can do with that is we need to make sure we focus more on primaries. And typically for us, it'll be Republican primaries in Republican districts. Because when you do that, if you walk into the voting booth as a Republican on primary election day, you know how many people, when we go to their door, Tom, they say, oh, I'll vote for the Republican. Right? I'm vote for all the Republicans. Uh, Sir, it's a primary, right? I mean, no offense to the voter. I don't want to get in trouble for this. But, like, this is what we deal with, right? Yeah. So when you force them to pick a name, which is what they have to do in a primary, that is where our model works. Because we are driving the name ID and we are giving the voter a liberty issue that we know the voter will like. Whether it is, and, and I'm not saying liberty, like, hey, end the Fed, but you figure out these voters, they might be all in on gun, uh, gun rights. They might be all in on the idea that they want to get rid of the income tax, right? We find something that can connect with them and tell them that, you know, Anthony Sabatini in Florida, he is your guy. Like, you know, that's why you got to support Anthony. We're all out here. We show the support. But the big thing we learn with these 30 losses is in a general election, You have to rely on the top of the ticket, right? You are, people are showing up to vote for party. There's $10 billion that was spent between Biden and Trump is the number they're putting out right now. $10 billion. You have to try to compete with that turnout, not just with the, the presidential, but then you throw in Senate races and congressional races and state Senate races and some of these other areas. It's such a competition. It's so competitive. So what we've learned is, our biggest value add, where we can make the biggest difference in the primary where a voter has to pick a name and you're not dealing with all this party spending and this, you know, turn out and vote the whole ticket Democrat or the whole ticket Republican. I think you're going to see YAL really start to trend in that direction. That primaries are where we can get liberty legislators elected.
0: Okay. Now that's, this is all very interesting stuff. And and I think This is the kind of thing that people sitting in, um, you know, strategy sessions have maybe talked about, but it seems like you guys actually finally put the legwork in and the elbow grease to actually go ahead and do it. You know, so I'm the sort of person who sits around and says, you know, we should probably focus more on the local level. And, you know, and then I I write things and I, because that's where my specialty is, but I don't know how to organize something like that. You know, I don't know that end of it. I wouldn't know where to begin. And so that's a, that's a beautiful thing about the division of labor among our people, that we've been waiting for, a, frankly, a Cliff Maloney to do the things you're doing. Now there. Now, how are you going to respond to that kind of flattery? Go ahead. Try.
1: <laughs> well, here's the best part. The, thank you for that, Tom. Um, and we need you and we need other intellects. I mean, we had Jeff Deist at the event. We had Thomas Massey, who's obviously at the federal level. I mean, we need people like you said. We've got to have liberty voices uh, from all over the spectrum, right? But I think the thing that we learned over the last year, no one, no one wants to knock doors, right? It's a pain in the ass. Uh, excuse me, I'm, 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 I am think you're going to be okay to say it on no, your show. No, but, that's perfectly fine, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the beautiful thing about it is this, that's why it's so effective. Look, the reason we get Yale students to knock doors, Tom, is because they're so passionate about these liberty ideas, right? If you try to get someone to go out and knock doors for Jeb Bush, right? No one in their, in their right mind would go out and knock doors for a Jeb Bush or some of these other milquetoast, you know, like do nothing candidates. And so I always tell people that when we first launched, we were kind of quiet. We're like, well, we think we have a plan that could work. We target these races where if you can boost name ID, you can get your people in, you know, kind of get these microphones. But then as time went on, I realized, well, one, No one, you know, no one enjoys knocking doors unless you really care about the ideas. And who cares about these ideas when when most of these politicians, they don't have any ideas, right? They're not running on some set of principles, and we disagree with the principles. They don't have any principles, right? They're running so that they can say that they're the honorable, right? And they get to have this, you know, prestige. We're running because we believe in a set of ideals that we think would lead to the most prosperous society in the history of humankind, So I always have said, you know, people ask me, too, who are your competitors? You know, are these these other liberty groups or these other right of center or free market groups? Look, there really there really isn't anybody out there. And in in a national way that has said, you know what, let's focus on the states. And here's why, Tom. It's hard. It's not sexy. You got to go to donors and you have to go to students and you have to go to everybody in your network and say, hey, you know how the news wall to wall coverage is about the presidential and federal races? Well, guess what? We're not going to touch them, right? That takes, it took a little bit of courage. I mean, some people thought I was nuts when we first launched this. Because if you, you know, if, if, you, if you avoid doing those things, you know, that's where people's attention is. But because of that, you know, we focus locally. And I, I, I joked because one person told me uh, there was an event, uh, I believe it was in DC, we had a speaker and somebody said to the speaker, they said, during the Q&A, they said, what do you think of YAL's plan? take over the states with these libertarian idealists, right? This was some some uh, more, more neocon conservatives saying this, right? And the speaker said back, he said, uh, what's the other plan? <laughs> and he, what he was saying was, if you if you believe you can win over microphones and if you believe you can actually get people to a place of credibility in the political spectrum, there isn't another plan. And I don't mean that as a shot at any of our federal folks. I mean... You know, I I, I worked for Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, You know, Justin Amash is leaving Congress now. But like, what I'm getting at is, I think it is one of the things that excites me most, which is we put pen to paper and we did the math and we said, okay, if we had 10 million dollars, do we think we could elect a hundred people to state house, or would we rather try to get one person elected to Congress? <laughs> and we decided, you know, wow, we feel like the movement for a while, like people have kind of had shiny objects, somebody screamed squirrel, and it's like, we've got this other project over here and here. And we think this is a real infrastructure, a real foundation. There's a way to raise the funds for it. There's a tactic, which is we go out and door knock, We've built the youth army through our college chapters. And it works because people believe in the principles of liberty. That's what motivates them. So I don't think we're some political geniuses or that we've cracked some code I just think we started to say, look, let's have some courage to actually not get lured into these big races where you don't have an impact, and let's do the grassroots work that no one wants to do. And look, in 10 years, this experiment could be a huge failure. Or in 10 years, instead of having one Thomas Massey, we could have 60 people in the state house that believe in Ron Paul's principles, or excuse me, at the federal level. You know, we could have 10 different governors elected that are going to be not just Ron DeSantis-type anti-lockdown. I'm talking hardcore Ron Paul's elected from 10 different states. I mean, I think when the battle comes down and the federal government, our dollar fails, and we're sitting here, we're going to need a couple of states to point to to say, look, these are the people that need to be leading the country, not these wackadoos from California like Gavin Newsom, you know, who wants to tell you you can't have 10 people in your house during Thanksgiving. That's the type of liberty leadership I really think that this plan can build on. Well, this is tremendous. How do people help you? Sure, if you go to yaliberty.org, you can go to yaliberty.org slash door and you can kind of see our entire rundown. And one thing I'd ask your your, your listeners, Tom, you know, we need people to step up and get involved with our activist program, Knocking Doors, sure. So if you know young professionals, you know, if you're a young professional yourself or a college student, you know, get involved. But even if you aren't, if you know people, you know, reach out to them. But I think one of the things people miss is I'm not saying that you, talking to your listeners, have to run for state house, but you have a state representative. You're a constituent. Reach out to them and ask them to fill out the YAL survey. doesn't mean we're going to endorse them. It actually probably means we won't. We had 1,000 people uh, fill out our our survey process questionnaire this cycle. We only endorsed you. We endorsed less than 200. Um, so we're pretty strict about who we endorse. But you got to remember this. Every single person who fills out the survey that's elected, we now have them on record. We ask about 30 questions about their philosophy, their understanding of economics, civil liberties, peace. So if you're out there and you, you appreciate what we're doing, you could really help me by getting your local state legislator to fill out the survey. Um, and then obviously, you know, look, we need dollars to do this. Um, we've got a $11 million budget. Um, to do all these doors, it costs a lot of money for us to recruit the students. Uh, but if you know if people are really, really interested and want to engage YALiberty.org. and then on all the socials, you know I'm at Liberty Cliff and uh, Young Americans for Liberty uh, pretty much on every social platform. Is it easy to
0: find this survey?
1: Yeah, if you go to ylibertty slash door, our survey is public facing. We do that for a reason. So anyone can find there's literally a link on there, you know, YAL's candidate survey. And uh, people can check it out. And like I said, viability and principle, um, if people are interested. And by the way, if you're sitting there saying, yes, maybe I should run for state office. I've been this anarcho-capitalist and thought, ah, the hell with that. I'm done. But you're thinking, man, I'd like to go in there and light the place on fire. Well, we would love to get to know you because that's what we need. We need radicals that are true believers. And uh, Tom, we have an event called Liberty Candidate Academy. It's a one-day training. It's uh, literally 18 steps to teach you how to build a viable, principled campaign, how to get elected, and then most importantly, how to stay principled when you get elected. And uh, that's at yaliberty.org slash LCA, which stands for Liberty Candidate Academy. And uh, even if you're just thinking about it, come out. You know, We don't require you to say you're definitely going to run, but come out now. Maybe end up running in 2024 or 2026. Um, but we're trying to really get people to realize the value of having the microphone uh, at that local level and and like I said I'm I'm very open to the people that want to burn things down we're we're on the same camp
0: all right well I'm going to link to of course young americans for liberty just the general homepage but I'll link to those specific pages as well plus the the twitter accounts you mentioned we we'll get all that up at tomwoods.com/1783 so you know, congratulations. It looks like you had a successful run and and um, let's hope for even bigger successes in the future. I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you as always. All right, folks, before we go, a couple things I want to tell you about. First, a Tom Woodshow Show listener has a really neat business and it's called Cruise Altitude because his last name is Cruise, K-R-U-S-E. So the website is K-R-U-S-E com, and they specialize, I just love this, in high-quality aerial video and photos, although they also provide ground-based services, but they'll do video production of a special event or to use in promotion of your business. They do real estate photography and videography. They do drone mapping services and property inspection. It's an amazing drone service business. I just love it. So CruiseAltitude.com is the website, K-R-U-S-E. I'll link to it at TomWoods.com slash 1783. This is a Tom Woods Show listener, and I just love all the different things you wonderful people are doing. And he gets free publicity for this site because he got his hosting through my link. And there are other benefits that you get too that are absolutely free that will help you get started and will get you results much, much quicker than if you try to do it without all woods here. So if you want the details on how you can get benefits like that for a site you're thinking of creating, head over to TomWoods.com slash publicity. And incidentally, if you're listening to this as I'm releasing it, this is Black Friday week, and this is the best time of year to get that web hosting because you'll be locking in the best prices that Bluehost has all year. They, they save them for Black Friday. So they've already started the discounts. So go grab that now. Lock that in. Even if you're not sure, you know, maybe you want to wait a few months, lock in the discount now before you're sad later. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that uh, you all know about my dashboard university, libertyclassroom.com. I cannot change the history departments at Yale and, you know, what's a matter you? I have no influence over that, but I can create my own alternative, which is what I've done. I've created a dashboard university for all you people out there who feel like you suffered from educational malpractice. That's pretty much all of us Well, if you want to learn the real history and the real economics and all the stuff you should have learned while you're driving around in your car in courses taught by me and in other PhDs, by by other PhDs that I trust and who have been guests on this program, then libertyclassroom.com is where you want to go. And for Black Friday in particular, but also Black Friday weekend, we have a big, big discount on the lifetime membership. So put that on your calendar, that on Black Friday, you're going to go to libertyclassroom.com and get that as a gift for yourself or for some student in your life you would like to rescue from indoctrination. So libertyclassroom.com is the website, and I'll see you all tomorrow. Become a
1: smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit tomwoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.